Dear Diary, I'm so upset. <laughs> Gareth Gates didn't win Pop Idol. <laughs> I love him so much. It's not fair at all. He's so gorgeous. I'm also real upset about Valentine's Day. I'm never, ever going to get a card. It's not fair. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much in that. Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. My name is Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio this week RTE 2FM DJ and author Kira King and author, journalist and one half of Gaff Interiors, Caroline Four. And ladies, welcome to the show. I really need to get author in front of my name or else I'm just not going to fit in here. Um, a little later on, we're going to be talking to Cara O'Donovan, who is an Irish champion kickboxer. She was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and thought that was it for her and her sport. Thankfully, it wasn't. But first, we like to kick things off with a little game to get every everybody comfortable so it's called six words or less and I'd like you to describe yourselves in six words or less Caroline you're up first okay um Scarlet scared top shop oversharer super queen sausages <laughs> brilliant I love that go on Kira. um overthinker uh, dreamer I suppose broadcaster worrier daughter Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. <laughs> that's really nice. And it was Mine's five. Just weird. Was it five? <laughs> yeah. It also just proves how bad I am at maths because it's supposed to be six words and I had five. But anyway. It's six words or less, so you did okay. So Kira, Kira's diary. Yes. We've all read it. It's safe to say now that it's a success. Well, hopefully, yeah. Were you stunned by the reaction and how many how much people related to it? Yeah, do you know what I was stunned by? I was stunned by the amount of lads that like it. Because, really? Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing because I, I suppose I wrote it for, for girls in mind because it's about a teenage girl and we did it on our radio slot at night time. But the amount of lads that have been in contact that have bought it and mm. are like, here, this is really, really funny. And I'm like, this is brilliant. This means that girls and guys can relate to it. And also older people. And the thing that I think I may have nailed is the teenage experience that we all went through, no matter what generation, even though that is specifically 1999 to 2002. Mm, So I'm like, okay, this is good. It's such an insight for men, though, to hear what it's like to be a woman. And especially at that age when, you know, everything is so heightened. I think it's like gold for men. Yeah. You said that um, obviously it started on your radio segment. So how did the actual book come about? Were you approached? Yeah, I was approached by uh, Gail Books about a year and a half ago now. Well, it feels like ages ago. And they said they wanted to, to put Kira's into a book and mm. I've been I'm writing it for like four and a half five years so I said um, yeah sure I've no idea how to do this but like I've a load of diary entries so um, you know let's do it so it was a process over a year and then obviously the book came out in September so yeah. did you find after your book came out Caroline that there was there was like a lull there was a, a little bit of a come down oh absolutely yeah mm. I think it was like really so my book came out in May and it was really intense for May and the first half of June and then and then it just completely quietened down yeah. I was like oh my god what am I going to do now that's literally the stage that I'm at this week. I'm walking kind of aimlessly around and I'm like, okay, what do I do next? Yeah. I know, it's scary. Yeah. And I know, Akira, your book, it's not autobiographical. No. But it's based on a lot of your own experiences. It is based on a lot of our teenage experiences. And I kind of, Irish people love nostalgia. So when I was writing about it, I wanted to kind of pick out those moments that we could all relate to. Like going to your first disco, fancy in the lad in school, going to your first rave. Um, going to your first music gig you know all those firsts that were yeah. kind of the rites of passage for teenagers all across Ireland and kind of all across the world as well but this is specifically Irish um, I've had a lot of trouble with the whole I said to Chris a million times I was like why do we call this Kira's Diary when the book started coming out and he said well there's nothing you can do about it now yeah. because when we were doing the radio show we did pretend that they were my real diaries but as it progressed the diaries kind of got darker and a little bit right, more ridiculous yeah. so then people were like wait a second these couldn't be her real <laughs> diaries you know Can I ask you about my favourite person in, in, in the diary can I ask about Hot Brendan 
Hot Brendan, yeah. So is Hot Brendan based on someone? No. No. Oh, no. I really I'm wanted to believe that it is. Yes. Yeah. I really wanted it to be because I, 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 I had a very similar experience. I fell so deeply in love with a young boy who was gay. Mm-hmm. And oh, me too. And he told me that he was gay and I was completely awestruck I just didn't I didn't get it I'm usually yeah. pretty good at that and I just kept like kind of I had trying to Stephen conv- Gately oh really oh yeah Could not no, there was that one was guy, a hard one for lots of people there was one guy in school that all the girls especially one of my best friends we absolutely and utterly loved like we fancied him he was like three years ahead of us um, in school and we fancied him all of school we used to walk around the school in particular directions so that we'd bump into him <laughs> and then it turned out um, a couple of years later that, that he was gay and then no one knew and uh, we were. I, was, I, I said to my friend, I was like, we spent six years lusting over him, like <laughs> lusting him. But no, he's not based on on hockey. Brendan the character. Okay, so speaking of nostalgia and speaking of romance and hot boys and stuff, oh, I God. thought it would be kind of funny, Kara, since we've read your diary, for us to bring in our diaries. <gasps> so I asked Caroline if she would be so kind, and I brought in my diary. Brilliant this is the girls. end of my career as I know it. <laughs> it's fluffy. It's fluffy. Okay. It's really stood the test of time, like really and durable diary. Also, for people to know, that's the groovy chick yes. yeah, station line that was out at the time when we were teenagers. Wasn't Look, it? I've so got the same one. Mine is a lovely purple shade and it has secret stuff written on the oh, front of it. Caroline, you need don't to describe yours. So mine is super fluffy, very like baby blue, baby spice and then there's a blonde girl on the front and she's like having the best time ever and it says starlet and there's a couple of stars and yeah, and, and inside there's like stickers of things that boys oh, gave me that I stuck on pages and I did, I, I pulled down a few pages that I thought were maybe of interest but like so much of it is like people would think I need serious help. What age are we? Because the thing is I was trying to find the juicy stuff so I was mm. trying to find my diaries from when I was about 16 to 18 because that's when all the good stuff happens yeah. Yeah. and I couldn't find it so I found this adorable little gem and it starts when I'm 12 so, so it's kind of cute but I, I don't know whether we should start with mine or whether we should start with yours Caroline well, Why don't we? mine is pretty crap so maybe we'll start with mine okay let's start with yours and okay then so this is just one very short entry um, and it was in 2002 February 2002 so I was what 13 or 14 um, okay, dear diary, I'm so upset about 10 exclamation marks. <laughs> Gareth Gates didn't win Pop Idol. <laughs> I love him so much, it's not fair at all. He's so gorgeous, exclamation mark with a smiley face underneath it. How could he not win? I'm happy for Will though, and four was the number four. Okay. He's got a really good voice. I'm also real upset about Valentine's Day. I'm never ever going to get a card. It's not fair. I'm going asleep. <laughs> There was so much in that. <laughs> oh my god, that is absolutely brilliant. And then I, I got like super self-indulgent here and I was like, blah, 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 I have boys and they don't fancy me. And I'm like, I'm being so self-absorbed. And then I just go off on this tangent. I hope that all the war stops and there's peace and all for all the poor people and they're given homes and food and water and jobs so the world will be a better place. But seriously, please just give me a Valentine's card, text from someone not from one of my girlfriends or my family a real boy who likes me if there oh. is such a thing and then I wrote please 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 about like, ten times and then I said love you lots P.S. please <laughs> <laughs> how old are you there? like really not that young like I mean I think first and second year of school for me was like all the hormones yeah okay see now I'm a little embarrassed about my diary because I how think how after no, that? because I think I was very immature okay so this is 23rd of the 6th 1999 so I was 12 Okay, just do it. Hi, this is my first official entry in my secret stuff diary, which I wrote in a different colour pen, by the way. Um, I I'm hope, a big fan of that as well. I hope to write in it every day. I will probably forget sometimes. Anyway, I went shopping today. I bought the pen I'm writing with, this diary, loads of nice clothes and some hair ties. 
<laughs> I have to go now because I have to buy some shoes. See ya, love Neve. P.S. We lost Stefan in the National Arts Gallery, but he's safe now. That's my. <laughs> Who's is that? Your brother? That's my great uncle. Oh my god. <laughs> We have to tell us what happened to your uncle. He was fine. I think he just went for a wander. He's Polish and he didn't really understand where we were. So he just went for a wander. Girls, do you know what? After hearing the both of those, I actually am happier about Kira's diary because they sound like Kira's diary. Yes, they really do. Which makes me kind of go, okay, maybe, maybe I did write a good book. No, you absolutely did. What's funny is I was, I gave this to my boss earlier and I got him to read it. And then I said, I actually feel like I'm cheating on 12 year old Neve by yeah, by showing everybody what's in her like secret stuff but at the same time like you can see here it says private keep out <laughs> on, I just serious wrote on the security. page <laughs> serious security there but anyway so speaking of romance I love that you were so into finding a boy and finding oh a my valentine God. No, it's really I don't know what it was I, I was the youngest girl out of the girls I hung out with and it was like you're not a woman or you're not anyone until you have a boyfriend like that was how we defined your worth and it's so tragic and so sad and I had to think about that but I was obsessed even though I had you know great family and friends mm. it was like I, I need think a we all were okay that we makes me were. feel better yeah. because like I, I sounded like seriously depressed no like, but it was it was like that romantic ideal of just watching way too many Walt oh Disney movies all our lives what else were we supposed to know but you know what I mean it's actually interesting I was speaking to a friend of mine there yesterday who's a boy and he was telling me that it's just very different at that age when you're a boy and a girl so we are thinking about romance and we're yeah. thinking about love and we're thinking about all this and honestly they're thinking about the dirty stuff <laughs> but I actually think it's just the yeah. hormonal difference Big in the time. makeup of people oh, yeah. so like, oh, like I just wanted to hold someone's hand. Yeah, like I don't, yeah. I don't think there's definitely nothing about sex in there anyway. Like okay, I was, no. I wasn't thinking about sex. I wasn't thinking. Well, about I did a bit of sexy dancing. That's about it. Did you? Yeah, where it was like he had his hand on my hips and it was like from Save the Last Dance, and that's as racy as it gets. <laughs> Very juicy. Romance is a weird thing though. But we actually we ran a piece on site this past week, and it was about a woman who live tweeted what she deemed to be a true love story happening, and it was on the tube. So she basically saw, and it was brilliant, it was brilliant that she live-tweeted it, she basically saw a man and a woman, and they were kind of throwing the eyes at each other. And the man sniffled a little bit, so the woman offered him a tissue. And then she began to just live-tweet this whole situation of, mm-hmm. like, she passed him a tissue, he said, thank you, now they're sitting down beside her. She had to get off the tube, so she didn't actually see how it ended up, but she imagined that they swapped numbers, and then mm-hmm. it became this amazing thing. But it got me thinking about romance, and it got me thinking about whether or not that ever happens it rarely happens to me these days I know Caroline you're engaged I'm engaged uh, God and if you listen to this he'll kill me but like it wasn't like it hasn't been the most like super duper romantic thing and I, it was I think, a romantic proposal yeah like when I was younger it was all about like romance and gestures and then as I got older actually it's about them just caring about you and stuff so like while we had a very simple proposal at home yeah. uh, with my dog and he just we had dinner just it was my birthday as well um, and then we were just, like I was in like horrible like tracksuit bottoms my hair in a bun I was like wrecked and then he was like he just gave me this little thing that said will you marry me a little you know those light boxes um, and it was so and like you that know when you're younger I was like Paris and Eiffel Tower oh, and everything please. but like yeah. as, I think as you get older like it's more significant the smaller things I think yeah um, and it was your home and it was and it was our home that you yeah. were comfortable so that's really yeah. that's really nice one of the most mm. beautiful marriage proposals I ever heard of was um, the, the girl was at the kitchen and she had rubber gloves on and she was just washing up dishes or something and um, 
her <clears throat> boyfriend at the time came in and he had a bunch of daffodils and he just wrapped his arms around her and presented her with daffodils and then he's oh. like he whispered in her ear he's like will you marry me oh my god see that's lovely and that to me I swear I just think is the most beautiful marriage you don't so need simple. the big I know and I would have murdered him if he did it in front of other people I would have been obviously scarlet was one of my words I would yeah. have died yeah no. I just don't think well I mean I'm so far away from marriage proposals I'm just trying to get through online dating at the moment which mm. I'm so terrible I at. skipped that entire phase and I feel like I'm missing out no 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 you're not can I say something <laughs> you're to not you? missing out can I say something to you so by the time that I was actually I got round to being able to date again I think I missed the Tinder plenty of fish boat mm-hmm. so I've dabbled I've never gone on a date and now I'm off them completely right um, so I, I think it's a better way to be to be honest like I I kind of had it was it was a romantic moment I suppose I was out last week and I was out with my friends and it wasn't a going out and meeting a boy kind of a night it was just going out and having the crack so mm-hmm. I met this guy shook hands with him said hello and then went off and danced around bags it was that kind of night um, <laughs> but anyway the next day he found out my number off someone that he knew and he texted me and he asked me out on a date and it was actually really nice because he was very forward about it. He was very much like, we didn't get to chat. I'd love to actually talk to you. Do you want to go for a drink? And I didn't hear from him for like days, but there was no back and forth because I've learned, and I've learned this the hard way, that I'm terrible at WhatsApping and texting and emojis and sending those. I send way too many emojis. I think I've sent both of you emojis. Mm-hmm. Like I think that one is Possibly. the one. Like I, <laughs> it's one with my hands up. It's one that I love. And mm-hmm. also I didn't know you know this emoji yeah. sorry I know this is a podcast so I'll explain it the A-OK emoji mm-hmm. yeah that means anal apparently <gasps> what yeah I didn't I send that to my mother all the time <laughs> <laughs> are you serious like as in I was around a group of guys and I was sending a message to a boy and they say okay let me see what are you, what are you sending and I was like I'm just sending this da 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 and a little OK symbol. they said don't send him that and I said why and says that means Let's okay. do anal. Okay, okay for happen? anal. When did that happen? I don't know, but apparently we weren't informed about it. So I've sworn off emojis because of that because oh, I'm Jesus. scarred yeah. from that. Did you meet the guy? I met the guy. I went on a date with him. Okay. Yeah, and it was lovely. It was a nice date. But? I'm just terrible at dating. I don't know. I'm always tired. I kind of just want to go home. This is it. Like, I feel like I'm a bit jaded by the whole situation. Yeah. This year I've had three, three guys. One I really, really, oh my God, really liked. And I was like, this is it. Yeah. And then he ghosted me. No. Yeah. Stop it. After six months, yeah, he ghosted me and I've never heard from him since. And that, I wish that he said, I'm seeing somebody else. Yes. I'm not into you. I'm what a piece of, can I curse? Yeah, absolutely. Shit. Yeah. See, he's he's not, he's a good guy. But See, this, I mean, is the, this is the thing as well, is that like, I've asked out a bunch of guys, right? In, in my life. I do, I ask guys out. If I'm interested and if I think that I have a connection Why with shouldn't them, you? I ask them out. The majority of them will turn into relationships because you don't really, you can't fake that. Like, if no. you have a connection, you think it's real. And then I asked out this guy that I really liked and like that... Radio silence. Yeah. Nothing. Didn't hear. And there was a great connection. Mm. Didn't hear a word from him. And that hurt me more than like the amount of guys that would ghost you or send you dick pics or anything like that. Because it was actually almost a really emotional attack on you. See, this was it. That's kind of how I felt. Because for the first time, I think in four and a half years, I liked someone. Yeah. So I was floored by this guy. You never felt the need to maybe call him out on it? Because ghosting is a terrible thing. It's yeah. a horrible thing. It's very, um, it's very much a coward thing to do. But you know, so it might too. not be the end of him because there's a new thing now that's called. I saw that submarining. Sub- submarining, whereby what? they disappear <gasps> for months and then they come back. They come back to the surface, and it's just a hey, what's up? Oh, or hey, you up? Yeah, the yeah. you up now. The you up one is a bit different. Um, I think. That's <laughs> I've had two other instances this year where um, guys have rang me and are like, Kira, I'm going to take you on a date, going to clear my schedule, or whatever. And um, that was one guy in April. 
never heard from him again there was no like and I've seen him since like and stuff like that but he rang me he said said, to my face he's going to ask me on a date and another guy took my number and said he was going to ask me on a date and then I found out later through a mutual friend that he was like I couldn't she's too nice what? what? And I was like, what a cop out. What a cop uh, that's out. That's like such an, I'm not going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to make it your fault because you, know, you were too nice. You see, and I, and for the first time, in fairness, I've been really bad. I haven't wanted to be with anyone for about four years yeah. because, you know, I, I was with someone for a really long time. So now I'm like, okay, I'm ready, but I think I'm too late for the, the online internet dating thing. I don't like it. It's it's not me, but I'm straight up. Yeah. So when someone says, okay, they're going to ask me on a date, I say, do ask me on a date. I'll say yes. Yeah. Or and like, I do, ask, and I mean it. make it happen right now. Or Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, the other guy that I was chatting to for six months was like, you know, come to Dublin. Like, seriously, come to Dublin. I'm pretty happy with this situation. Yeah. And I couldn't have been more straight up. So then when it's kind of, you're ghosted or they don't ask, you're like, well, what happened? I know. Mm-hmm. I was such a love at first sight believer and such a like diehard romantic all through my life so that I thought like when I met the man I would marry like you know the clouds would oh, part yeah. and everything but actually it was so surprising for me with my fiance I can't get used to that word by the way I feel like a dick saying that <laughs> um, but I had just come out of a relationship like a really long like the big love of my life mm-hmm. um, all through school and college um, and we broke up and I was like completely in bits for like a year and a half I couldn't I yeah. just couldn't look at it. I, I wanted to get to a point where I was okay by myself before I even entertained the idea of even going on a date with someone. And then Barry was, you know, sniffing around. And, <laughs> and this is about like a year later. And I was like, I couldn't have been less interested in him. Like, I was like, yeah, he's a really nice guy. But there was, for me, there was nothing there. Yeah. And I was like, I never, ever would have thought. And all my friends, if, if they're in similar situations now, they're like, I just don't really know if I feel it. I'm like, give him a chance because Barry was such a grower. That sounds wrong. <laughs> But you know what? But you're he, not the first person to say that. And then, and actually, it's the well, obviously, it's the best relationship I've ever had. But like, it wasn't all that crazy, intense sparks. But it really grew from getting to know each other slowly. Oh, yeah. And it was, I was so surprised at myself. Yeah. And now, I mean, like, I fancied the pants off him, and I really didn't like at the beginning. The whole notion of movie love, yeah, maybe it happens for some people, but I think for the majority of people, day to day, it doesn't. No, like you're emptying the dishwasher, you're picking up dog shit, and then you might have a little romantic moment, but... Mm. But I am adamant, though, I'm going to keep dating. I'm not going to shut myself down to it, even though I can be a bit lazy with second dates, because I, like, I would go on a date a week, like, I'm a dater. Fair play to you. Yeah. I don't date at all. No. No, I don't date at all. Guys don't ask me out. That's what I'm saying the past year, when I actually had, for the first time in, in so long, I had you know three well there was one main guy and then he ghosted me um, but you know when I met him I remember he walked around the corner of the restaurant and I met all these guys out as well by the way so yeah. I kind of know them through people and uh, I remember when the first guy walked around the corner of the restaurant I got I'd never met him before in my whole entire life but I got butterflies in my mm. stomach See that's and I went cool. oh my god I was like, what the hell is this? Food poisoning. What the, yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, where's the bathroom? What's happening? And he said to me afterwards, he was like, I knew the minute I met you, he said that that we were going to hook up. Yeah. That's it. And now he's gone. So. And do you feel like. That hurts. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm at that stage now where I have to get over it. Do you feel like you don't want to go there with anyone else because you're fine now and that, you know, that fear of like going back into something something like that, I think. And it's the same thing that happened to me, actually. There's something about it that kind of gets you stuck almost yes. because you're almost you're always kind of thinking about what could have been with that one person yes. and it's oh all, I'm the queen of that yeah and you're almost I'm angry magical thinking dreamy world but the great the great thing that you can do which I like to do Kara is I like to think of that person as an absolute dickhead for ghosting you because no matter what 
ghosting is an awful it's thing. It's yeah. I actually think it's just so rude. Like, strap on a pair. Do you know what I mean? Tell me that um, you don't like me, then it's fine, then I can yeah. move on. And there's good but and don't bad just in disappear. Yeah. yeah. I think like I think as women it's so easy to be like, oh, but he's a decent guy or he's like not coming from a bad place, but there, everyone has a bit of goodness and badness in them and like I think the fact that he ghosted you is like enough it's just like no way would you want to be with that kind of person because they might be a nice guy but they did do a bad yeah. thing do you know what I mean and yeah. that's like it's not a nice thing to do to any other person but anyway thinking about weird things we're going to talk about cat calling a bit later on now it's time for our spotlight on sports so kickboxer Cara O'Donovan joined me earlier in the week we spoke about the interesting way that she got started in her sport It's actually just by chance that I got started. Um, I was in originally from Sligo, so I wanted to start uh, football. Um, but actually, the local football club wouldn't take any girls at the time. So why? Um, I I don't know. It was just. Uh, um, it was probably about tw- going back more than 20 years ago and yeah. just for whatever that reason that particular coach and I wouldn't have had a lot of confidence at the time so I just accepted the answer and just went packing and then um, just by chance found the local kickboxing club and uh, once I got started there was no going back I loved it I was really hooked after that yeah. and were there a lot of girls doing it as well what age were you when you started I was 12 12 okay yeah. so uh, there was one or two girls it wasn't a lot there's you know at the minute it'd be now 50-50 but like back then there probably would have been one or two girls it was mostly men right. mostly boys doing it so it was it was a bit difficult but um, I always think that I was probably a little bit uh, lucky at the time because there wasn't so much girls in competition so I did really well I kind of didn't have a huge pool of competition so sometimes when you get that success really young it gives you a bit of confidence to keep going in it so and so you did it all the way up through your teens you were competing at a high level did you get to travel with it at all? Yeah I started travelling for the Irish team when I was about 16 um, I went to my first senior championships then in the following year I think I was 17 at that time so yeah I did I represented Ireland pretty young and there was no junior championships at that stage so you, you were allowed to represent um, Ireland at 16 I think when um, at senior level oh right so, okay yeah. And so throughout this time I've read a few of your blog posts that you have on your website so throughout this time was it when you were younger that you started to experience some bad health or was it as you got older? Um, looking back and it's, I think it's always easy to look back but uh, I would have been sick for a long time I've always had I guess a dodgy stomach and I would have just thought oh you know just a bit of irritable bowel or something yeah. like that um, and then it was really at my mid-twenties that I got so sick but I did nothing about it for years I mean I was um in excruciating pain for probably about four or five years um, and just put it down to stress or put it down to different like a bug here and there um, so I did nothing about it for years and, and were you still were you now. still competing throughout this yeah so it probably didn't look as bad like I was competing and every so often I would have good results here and there yeah um, but I knew myself I wasn't doing myself justice like I, I was training pretty hard um, and I knew what I was capable of and I wasn't achieving anything near the results that I I knew I was capable of yeah. um, so one day I'd go out and I'd have a great tournament and I'd win and then literally the next day or even halfway through the tournament you could be struck down and you would just go you know you'd be the complete extreme you'd look like an absolute beginner out there and yeah. uh, now I know what, what the cause of that was but for years I just thought it was some sort of mental approach or something like that Yeah, um, and it's Crohn's it's Crohn's disease that's what you were diagnosed with yeah yeah so um, that 
that was a few years ago I eventually got told what that was I had no clue what it was when they told me um, and then my initial fear was oh I'm going to have to have surgery if I had to have surgery I was going to have to stop playing sport yeah. that's kind of the, the biggest fear for me at the time I didn't really sink into me that it was something that I was going to have to live with forever um, but eventually all that did sink in and I had to take quite a bit of a break from the sport um, I lost my national title that year I lost my place on the Irish team that year and uh, but I did get back to competing at a fairly uh, at a, the same level. Um, but it's been a combination of kind of medication and just accepting really that this thing can come out of the blue anywhere. And if it does, it does. There's not a lot I can do about it. And and uh, luckily for now, I'm feeling pretty good. So. That's great. Yeah. Can I ask about the diagnosis though? Because I've read a lot about this disease now in Ireland, and so many people have it. But so many people it takes a really long time for them to come to it whether it's to do with a little bit of embarrassment to do with the symptoms or not approaching their GP or not wanting to talk to their family and friends about it was that something that you went through or was it merely you were going to the doctor and they were just like it's grand it's a virus or there's no, nothing wrong or, or something it, like that you know you're right I would have been really embarrassed about it I mean if I was to go back you know seven or eight years I would, wouldn't have had the kind of self esteem that I have maybe now and I cared an awful lot about what people would think so yeah I was absolutely so embarrassed about it I didn't want to speak about it and it was only by chance that um, that I got diagnosed I was away in holidays with my mother and I spent the entire week in, instead of being on the beach in, in the bathroom um, in so much pain vomiting 24-7 and this had become my reality my normal and, and she was stunned so it was only for that that I actually got to a doctor to start the diagnosis So process. your mother was like this isn't normal yeah, get you're up. getting straight yeah. into a hospital when, when we get back. So, um, and I know from that point I was pretty lucky because I know people that are waiting years to get diagnosed that mm. they're not able. You know, they're getting some tests done, but they're not actually getting the diagnosis, which is. But why you know, is that? Is that because of the health system then, or is it because it's such a hard thing to pinpoint? Because it's not preventable. It's not like you eat a bad curry one night and then you get IBD. Like so, no. and nobody actually knows where it comes from because it's starting a lot in younger kids as well now I think it's increased something like threefold since 2000 or something in like paediatric cases so nobody can really pinpoint what it is Yeah I mean I'm not really too sure I mean it it could be the health system it could be just where the inflammation shows up in particular people I wouldn't have a clue you know really why the diagnosis is taking so long long. I know for me a a factor for me definitely is the, the care that I got I've just been so lucky with a mm. really good GP and I really that I was referred to the right people but obviously there's way more kind of on the medical side of it that I just wouldn't have a clue about yeah. but um, once I kind of got in the system I was really well looked after yeah. so for me I know I'm lucky in that regard Like, So you took a few years off not years but you took a step back from the sport during this diagnosis and then you went back to it so what was it like going back knowing that you had this thing that you were going to have to deal with for the rest of your life were you apprehensive about going back to sport or were you determined um probably uh, a little bit of both mm. I mean I'm pretty competitive just at, by my nature anyway so I was determined to get back to to playing the sport or to competing at a high level um, I didn't get an awful lot of support from Kickboxing Ireland at the time they, uh, probably just due to them not really understanding what the whole implications of it were um, and you know that that was challenging in yeah. itself you know just to because you know you do need a little bit of support networks around you I think to make things a little bit easier a little um, a little bit more comfortable going back to competing at that level um, but I guess 
I, I just kind of took that in my stride I wasn't I didn't expect red carpets or anything of that laid out for people or, or from from people so yeah it was it, it was a tough challenge getting back to the top I was um, I was determined to kind of one of the tournaments that I really like taking part in is the Irish Open it's the biggest tournament that we have in kickboxing yeah. Um so I decided that that would be my target. I wasn't going to get to go to European Championships because I'd missed out on the selection. So I was going to target that tournament to try and get back. So that was about the guts of a year later. And luckily enough, it paid off and I came back and I won it. So it was, oh, that's it was good, good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you won good. the Irish Open. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it does. Uh, people always say, well, that's just a national competition, but they don't realise that that's actually the biggest one. We have something like 4,000 competitors in it. It's yeah. the, the one to win in, in kickboxing and it's bigger than a world championships, you know. So if you were saying something to, say, a young girl or a young boy who's just been diagnosed with Crohn's disease and they're in sport and they're afraid that they're not going to be able to play their sport or continue on with it, like, how has your life changed since you've been diagnosed and being in sport? Do you take care of your diet a lot more? Or do you just prep things a little bit more if you're going to a competition like I know that in kickboxing there's cuts like there's weight cuts which is really important obviously to make the weight for your competition so but I mean that must be kind of a hard thing to navigate yeah it's it's completely changed how I approach and not just sport everything I mean you have to plan how definitely the weight cut was the was the biggest part yeah. of it because the stuff that I did before to make weight was just absolutely insane what kind it, of stuff it would be insane for a healthy person but yeah. um, I mean just trying to lose something like four kilos in the last few days in the lead up to competition and put my body through on like so much stress yeah uh, when I look back I just think it's absolutely insane um, and I wonder like you know I was making myself sicker and sicker um, some of the I mean it, it would be some of the practices in making weight in, in kind of combat sports isn't probably the best anyway but mm. it's something that I had to completely change um, if, and now you can do that in a healthier way yeah I'd have to do it in a healthier way and, and even if it's a case that say for example I haven't been well enough to train as hard and, and I can't make the weight I'm not going to put myself under that pressure I'll just move up a different weight category it's it's not a big deal for yeah. me um, if somebody else was trying to I guess take part in sport and a few people I do know a couple of people that have been recently diagnosed they're quite young and they have been in contact with me to see kind of what they can do or yeah. if there's any way I could help them um, it's just kind of listen to your body a little bit more and use support networks there's so many brilliant ones out there um, there may not be a lot of under understanding your particular sport but there's different sport networks or support networks out there that'll help you kind of plan ahead what you need to bring with you when you're going away to an event even things like planning where the bathrooms are and yeah. um, bringing different things like that with you they're all really important and it, it takes a lot of the stress out of it um, then it, when it comes to I guess training uh, there is going to be times where your body just won't won't let you train and yeah. you have to accept that because one of the symptoms is chronic fatigue as well isn't it yeah it's 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 definitely a huge part of it for me as well I will get huge inflammation in my joints so my ankles and knees will get so swollen and so painful that there was just no way you could put any impact on them yeah um, so trying to to manage that as well um, and, and train was was difficult and there might be just weeks where you just can't do anything you might not be able to do any kind of uh, impact training anyway on it which would involve a lot of kickboxing based uh, yeah. drills so any kind of bouncing or 
kind of impact I guess on your joints is out yeah so not content with coming back and being a success and winning the national title like kickboxing you've started a new sport as well can you tell me about that yeah so earlier this year I decided I'd look for a new challenge um, I d- just fell upon it really um, it was karate okay. I decided I was going to give this a go it's not like completely different to kickboxing yeah. or so I thought when I started anyway I thought looking at it the YouTube clips and looking at the reels I was thinking oh this is quite similar I'll I don't know anything <laughs> about it so can you talk me through like when you started were you a white belt? Is that a stupid thing to ask a question? But like, um, I don't know anything about it. So yeah, so when I started, I decided that I wasn't going to go through any of the the kind of grading okay. or the belt system. So you have that they, option? Uh, well, I guess I do. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't tell me, unless they, they're going to tell me now that I have to go back and do that. But uh, <laughs> okay. no, the coach has been brilliant. They just kind of said that I could come in and I could start the Kumite training, which is like sparring. It's um, the kind of contact part. Okay. Um, and uh, the technical differences were huge, actually, um, more so than I thought. The contact rule is much different, so you can hit full contact in kickboxing but you, it's very limited in karate okay. so so I'd say was, everyone is terrified if they're, they're fighting in karate they were more just thinking what's our problem why she trying to kill us um, so I had to I was still learning that it's still a bit, uh, bit difficult but um, <clears throat> yeah that was one of the hardest part not hitting so hard but the technical differences on, on their punches is huge so yeah. I'm still trying to learn the, the crossover but my kicks are getting me through really so my kicking ability is, is good yeah for, and so you've, you've only been doing this for less than a year is it? Yeah yeah. Uh, and you yeah. already have had some success with it you won a bronze tell me about that So uh, last weekend was my first international tournament um, so I got to it was brilliant I get to compete against pe- girls from Belgium and Luxembourg and, oh, wow. um, and Ireland as well yeah. so uh, I was I did pretty good I got a bronze in it I would have obviously liked to have won a gold but I'm kind of happy enough for For your first tournament? For, yeah for my first one it was, yeah. it was good Um and uh, kind of being part now being part of the Irish squad is pretty cool as well yeah so what's so. next then what's coming up so are you gonna is kickboxing taking kind of a backseat to this now um, at the minute it is like most of my training is focused on karate um, probably be, mostly because I have another tournament now next weekend so on Friday I fly out to Salzburg okay um, <clears throat> that's going to be a huge step up there's over 100 girls in the weight category that I'm entered into and just from looking at the names is world and European champions and everything in there so hopefully I'll get to compete against one of those girls and and see kind of where the standard is at and uh, hopefully win a few fights as well Well best of luck with it Cara thanks very much for coming in Thanks Mary So that was Cara O'Donovan there talking about her experiences with Crohn's disease she's such a strong woman I just really respect her for everything that she's doing but I have to say in terms of health and exercise and fitness, Caroline, you've been talking about it a little bit on your social mm. media lately and how you're really trying to kind of embrace it a little bit more. The book, I don't think we've actually named the title of the book, so I'll name the title Thank of the book. You. It's Owning It, Your Bullshit Free Guide to Living with Anxiety. And I read it, I think I've read it twice or three times now Aww. at this point. I absolutely love it. I haven't read it. And my housemates, I was I was telling the girls that I was going on to do this podcast mm. and two of my housemates have read the book. So oh. there you go. So I was and like, did oh, they like brilliant. it? Yes, they did. <laughs> More importantly. Okay. And they were recommended it oh. by other females and we're all like in our early 30s and yeah. stuff like that. So I think that's a really good thing. Can time. I say that the headline of it, or sorry, the headline, do you hear me? The, the name of the book is just spot on because it is a step-by-step guide. Like I suffer from anxiety. You know this, yeah. Caroline, I've spoken to you about it. The chapters are divided up so that you can actually go 
to the different chapters and kind of read through it. There's a chapter that's dedicated just to panic attacks. There's a chapter dedicated to sleeping. And there's these kind of things that you can actually go back to and reread. And mm-hmm. it's so good Brilliant. to hear from somebody who's gone through it. I could have done with your book when I was launching my book. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Book number two. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, I hadn't suffered anxiety in so long. And I, I had... With the, the whole launch of the book, I had panic and anxiety. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, this is the wrong time. I'm too busy for this but shit. that's like, precisely when it was going to happen because yeah. your body was trying so hard to prepare you for what you were about to go through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my book is all about like changing your relationship with your stress response. And instead of you thinking, oh, no, oh, shit, this is awful. You're like, OK, this is why this is happening. I understand what anxiety is. I understand, well, like, which is part of the book is to yeah. Get, yeah. get your head around what anxiety is, why we feel it, what's going on on like a hormonal level from an evolutionary perspective why humans feel this way and like just like that kind of um, emerge um, uh, immersing yourself in like that information is so important to be able to manage the anxiety and then the second part is like okay what are you going to do about it yeah I would say it's it's almost I'd say it was a bit ironic again when you were launching oh god I was awful I'd say your anxiety was through the roof it was through the roof like even just with TV appearances and this kind of stuff and it's people are just like okay so you're going to come on this show and you're going to come on that show and I'm like "Mm mm-hmm I'm like I wasn't lying like I have really bad anxiety and this is so far out of my comfort zone but I did it and well done because it is hard it is yeah hard. like I've got to, for you guys the, with what you do all the broadcasting like I it makes me so I'm really sweaty right but now can I tell you something even though <laughs> me that, too, I'd fine. be used to radio and television but I was still nervous as hell going on those different shows shows that I was familiar with people yeah. that I was familiar with and I was like what the hell is this you can do this this is your job I know yeah. so what is different here well, you I know? think, like, I was used to doing jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, talking about yourself yeah, in like a very personal way. I think way. it's easier when you're in control and you're asking the questions, but, like, you go on and have no idea what they're going to say to you about, like, tell me, like, such broad questions, like, what is anxiety? And you're like, oh, that's really hard to answer. Yeah. Um, so it was, and just, yeah. like, the nerves of and the adrenaline and then, like, coming down off that after you go on TV and then I need to go to sleep and do all my other work. So, yeah, it, it was, like, a whole new level of anxiety that I had to deal with, which has sort of spawned the second book, which I'm writing right now, which is about... Brilliant. Fear of failure and the building blocks of confidence. Oh wow! Um, so it's kind I didn't of, know you were writing yeah, a second book. Well, amazing. amazing. I know my publisher just rang me there. She's probably like, "Where is this book you're supposed to be writing?" I'm like, "Oh god." Um, <laughs> but so the first one was kind of like surviving, and this one is now so okay, thriving. Yeah. Like, not that I'm going to call it thriving because that's taken. No, because you spoke. <laughs> you, you, you spoke damn it! You spoke about this. A period in your life when you had left a job and you yeah. were experiencing incredible amount of anxiety and I feel like with mental health like Joanne McNally was on last week and she was talking about a time when she had to leave her job she was suffering uh, yeah. with disordered eating and stuff like that and that seemed like a time in your life when you weren't thriving oh, and God, so no. that book was about that time essentially yeah. and now is this book going to be kind of talking about this phase of your life? Yeah so like I didn't want the book to just be my thoughts about anxiety or how I feel I, I wanted because when you have anxiety you're like tell me what I need to do give me the facts and you don't need like any hyperbole at all mm. so and the same with this book it's not just going to be like this is where I am now it's not like a like an autobiographical thing where I'm just I, I will weave in my experiences because that's all I have to go on because I'm not the professional um, but so much of it will be like the psychology around yeah. like fear of failure and, and why we feel this way and and like literally like what you can do with like expert input as well um, but yeah it's been been crazy that was a concept I never had thought of before being afraid to, to fail but someone said to me 
I was I was getting bioenergy healing done because I love it. Cause I've had I, that done. I'm all about the chakras and clearing out I'm the sorry, chakras. What is this now? It's bioenergy healing where you, there's the use of hands on your body. It's like Reiki. Okay, <clears> so they just, don't touch you. No, and it okay. just clears out all the chakras and it gets everything moving. If you're if you believe in that and if you're into that and stuff like that. And someone said to me once, she said, "I think that you're afraid to be successful." Mm. And I was like. Sorry, what now? I'd say, I'd say a lot of me? women probably have that, yeah. Yeah, there's a severe and confidence gap between men and women. I yeah. literally went, oh my God. Mm. And she was like, you're afraid of, of what is going to happen when you become successful. Yeah. Where does that come from? Why are we afraid of well, success? Like, well, what's this now? Yeah. It's the fear of failure, which is the same thing as the fear of success, because to be successful, you have to take risk. And for me, in what I've been reading, there's two reasons why we have this fear of failure. Number one is like going way back in time when, you know, like lions were top of the food chain. And that, that was like an evolutionary process over thousands of years where they grew really confident. And you can see like the poise of like those animals and how sure they are of themselves. But as humans, we jumped to the top of the food chain because of technology and the cognitive revolution. So we we were like way too premature in being where we are now in, in like the, the, we're the top of the food chain now but like we're still like a lion could still come and eat us so yeah. from a, like a really it's only because we put them in yeah, zoos really exactly so like really we have all this anxiety because we're like ooh like we're not supposed to that this should have taken thousands and thousands and thousands of years the other reason I think we have this fear of failure is because as kids you know yourself when you're in school you know colour inside the lines don't go outside don't make a mistake and suddenly you get to this age where it's rewarded for taking risks and failing and failure is only or success is only possible with failures but we're taught the complete opposite as kids you know not the whole way up not we're to get wrong opposite, not to get yeah. it wrong not to be bold and then these people who who are bold and strike out are rewarded for it and like where does that change so I, for me that's where it all comes from that's fascinating wow, I'm I, definitely going to buy your second I book. know <laughs> I had never thought about that so but you are I've seen on your social media because I follow you obsessively <laughs> so you are exercising a little bit more and you've been very open about the fact that it's not something that you have done a lot of no I'm a lazy bitch like I'm the laziest person in the world I hate getting out of my bed I want to have like 15 hours sleep a day I mean who does oh my god I'm so lazy and I just I can't understand people who exercise five days a week and like enjoy it I hate it and does it not give you the endorphins though because that's I mean I, I exercise as much as I do uh, for, for my health a little no, bit no like it doesn't so I you don't did, feel happy I did a 10k run one sorry not yeah. to cut across you here and I was waiting for the runner's high to kick yeah, in and I, I was waiting for all these endorphins and I got to the end of the race and I was like I'm never fucking doing that again I know <laughs> I did not enjoy I that I think it's because I can't get past the point where like it's it not horrible kick in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I actually think that the runner's high I've never experienced that I play squash and I get a high from that but it's very high intensity yeah. but I've never gone for a, jo- a jog and felt incredible afterwards like yeah mm. no look, I don't I know. know the benefits obviously of yeah. working out yeah. yeah I'm trying to make a part like for even just mental health but also physical health like my immune system has been so bad and I guess because I've had so much going on and it's I've been producing so much adrenaline to get through all these things I've suppressed my immune system and I've had to take antibiotics and then you're just in this like vicious circle of getting sick all the time and having chest infections so I'm trying to like bolster myself as much as I can and exercise has to be a part of that that's good and I yeah. see that you're doing a bit of weights as well I love weights yeah. weights makes you yeah. feel like a boss lady I like doing well. weights because literally after doing it once I'm like I have muscles and then later on they're gone yeah well, that's how I feel I did like a hot yoga class and I'm like I lost about a stone oh I know yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I sleep I sleep so well after hot yoga and because you see I need to see results if I don't sweat I'm like well 
that was crap but if you go to hot yoga oh it's amazing you sweat profusely so yeah. that means you know mm-hmm. it means that you've you've done something uh, speaking of anxiety um, and this is going to be the last topic that I talk to you about so catcalling we ran a piece on our site uh, this past week as well and the headline reads this woman has the most ingenious way of dealing with catcalling so this girl is in Amsterdam and basically uh, she gets catcalled a lot as a lot of women do so what she started to do is she's set up an Instagram account and she started to take pictures of the men who are catcalling her and she's built up a huge following already so she's hashtagged Dear Catcallers and that's the name of the Instagram account as well and the pictures are quite fascinating because all the men in the pictures look kind of delighted with themselves that's what I thought they look so chuffed I was like so then a little part of me was like did she genuinely tell them why she was taking a photo of them oh no I don't think so I don't think so or was she like hey can I just get a picture with you guys because you know you're after shouting compliments to me up the street and they look delighted to be in the picture with her and I went oh my god how stupid are you I don't think that they know but what what I found really interesting about this was that the captions are the cat calls that she was given so like one of them is whoop can can I have your number so that was what they had said to her another one is hmm you want to kiss another one was this hmm. was creepy after following me for straight 10 minutes sexy girl where are you going can I come with you okay that is actually yeah that's ridiculous yeah. Yeah. and then there was one of her with a guy in a car slowly following me two streets shouting sexy and want to come in my car hashtag dear catcaller so like obviously it, it kind of goes from the extreme to the the slightly just creepy and really really I don't understand things. the car thing that happens to me a lot more so than people actually on the street where they're driving and they stop and they be like hey, hurry up whatever I'm like do you think I'm going to be like hold on stop there and I'll come I'll come in the car with you like, or yeah. even like on the motorway or something and they're like Ugh. okay I can't see the expression I'm making but it's like <laughs> usually like tongue hanging out like Ugh. I mean it's not one that I would want to no. approach I'm like oh hello Le- you know let's go for a drink I, I had a weird experience with cat calling I was running and I was in like run workout gear, obviously. Uh, so I had my headphones in. I was listening to music really loudly and I was running along. There was a group of builders and they all shouted something. So because I had Why my... Why is it always builders? I know. That's I, such a cliche. Well, so because I had my headphones in, I didn't know what had happened. So I thought I'd drop my wallet or I thought something was on the ground or I thought something <sighs> was about to fall on my head. So I stopped because they were shouting so loudly and I went over to them and I was like, what's... Yeah. What happened? Is everything okay? Uh-huh. And they all went red and they were all just really embarrassed. And then I went red because I was mortified and they were like, oh no, it's, we're just we're looking well, like fair oh play. Oh my God. Like, fair play for going for a run. And I was like, ah. So I just kind of went mm-hmm, and just did this little smile, put my headphones in and l- like sprinted then. Yeah. I, I couldn't run fast enough to get away from that situation. And then afterwards, I was kicking myself because why was yeah. I embarrassed? They should have been embarrassed. They were the ones who randomly screamed at a girl that they didn't know. It is really hard in practice to stand up for yourself. And uh, well, I find it hard. Yeah, no, it is. I've only noticed of late because I think I was completely and utterly just away with fairies for the past four years. I wasn't focusing on guys at all. I was, you know, just kind of head down, just getting through kind of, you know, each day or whatever. But in the past year, it's like suddenly I'm I'm open to all of this again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I live near Camden Street and I have noticed some crazy shit over the past couple of months. I was walking up the street one night and myself and my housemate, our asses were were groped by a guy. (gasps) No. Touched like? Yeah. Like like, as in like a good owl feel. And I was like, what the hell? And my housemate was like, just keep walking. And I was like, what do you mean keep walking? She was like, Kira, 
she said keep walking I was like how dare he yeah and then we were sitting in, in a bar that kind of looks out onto the street and again I was at my housemate she's very attractive in fairness and um, a group of lads congregated outside and they were like shouting in the window and then they mooned one of them mooned us so we were sitting there drinking wine and I was like I was saying to my husband I was like Natty has he pulled his pants up yet and I was like no then they came into the bar um, and there was about four of them they were like did you like what you, you know did you like what you saw out there girls it was like okay the, these lads were drinking you know mm-hmm. what I mean but here's what it comes down to it's these boys need to be taught by someone when they're growing up that they cannot do this Yeah, and that's what it comes down to I would love to ask one of them like who's like shouting at you from a car or mooning you and be like what do you hope to achieve here like are you just having a laugh or do you actually think I'm going to turn around and respond like it happened to me this morning I was catcalled yeah. this morning I was over uh, in a cafe and I was having a business meeting and I walked from one table to the other and the cafe had filled up with and again I don't want to be saying this in, a, in any bad way because I know it's not always builders but they were builders again and you know it's hard that's just what my stories are mm. so and he started singing You're Beautiful that classic by uh, James Blunt to me as I walked by. It's kind of nice, no? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't just, it was the fact that they were staring at me as well and and saying a few other comments. But yeah, it was a weird thing to happen at 9.15 on on a Friday morning. Do you ever have it happen and it actually gives you a little lift? Okay. Full honesty. Yeah, because I think as well that, you know, there is a little part of us as females that, you know, we want a man to find us attractive if we're into men, Mm. you know. And I think that's completely and utterly a natural thing to say but obviously it depends on the situation I mean like a man mooning you like no <laughs> that's not going to make you feel good that's about yourself not feel and good. I, do, I do think there's a different there's a different situation when if you make eye contact with someone because I don't want this to seem as if we're bashing men because I yeah. look at men I love men I love well, only men only one man only one yeah, man yeah no I love all the men I I would I would never and I have never catcalled a man because <laughs> I think that's disrespectful and I don't think it's something that a lot of women would be comfortable doing no it does depend and the situations that make you feel uncomfortable are not okay and men need to know that that's not okay I remember I was in New York and we were down at Battery Park you know where you can see the Empire State Building or not the Empire sorry the Statue of Liberty and I was having a little sandwich chilling out with my friend and then these guys come up and they well this one guy and he was kind of sad really and he sat down beside us and he was like hey like do you mind if I sit here can we have a chat and I was like oh like I don't want to be mean but like go away and then he eventually was like oh I'm, I'm doing this course that is like about like being able to approach women and ask them out on a date oh. so I just felt really sorry for him but I was like oh my no <laughs> So you are the reason he's going to this course. You're basically the reason why this poor man can't talk to women. No, but you didn't talk to him. No, I did talk to him, but I was like, I'm not going to date with you. Yeah. Ladies, I'm going to have to wrap it up, but thanks so much for coming in. I would stay here chatting to you for the day, you know. I know. I don't know. I can't keep you, unfortunately. I've been told by my boss you have to let the guests go eventually. So thank you to Kira King and Caroline Foran for joining me today. Thanks to Cara O'Donovan, who was our Athlete of the Week. Paul Donegan, who was on sound. And we'll chat to you next week.